All right, grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Some of you may be familiar with the concept of, of cat and dog theology. Uh, it's an idea that originated with uh, an author named Bob Shogren about 25 years ago. Shogren said that uh, cats and dogs fundamentally view their human companions in, uh, in different ways. So, for example, dogs have masters. Uh, dogs look at their owners and, uh, and they think, you, you feed me, you pet me, you give me shelter, you love me, you must be God. And cats, of course, are the total opposite. Cats don't have masters. Cats own their humans. And uh, so cats look at their humans and uh, they think, you feed me, you pet me, you give me shelter, you love me, I must be God. Now, I'll say we in the Simmons household, we are, are cat people through and through, no uh, excuses uh, about it. But when it comes to the way we think about God, we should all aspire to be dogs in our theology which is to say we should have a God-centered view of the world rather than a self-centered view of the world. At a time of year when we stop to think about the ways that God has blessed us, I want us to ponder a question together this morning. And the question is this, is it possible for us to give thanks to God in a way that's actually self-centered? I want you to think about that for a second. Is it possible for us to give thanks to God in a way that is actually self-centered, not God-centered? Uh, of course, giving God thanks is better than not thanking Him at all. But it does seem to me that uh, it's possible for us to thank God in a way that is actually self-centered, that we would essentially look at God and say, God, you've blessed me so much. I, I see all the ways you have blessed me. I see all that you have done, all that you've done for me. I must be special. We would essentially have sort of a cat theology in the way that we give God thanks. Instead, what I want to encourage us to do this morning uh, in Psalm 67 is uh, to, to look at all the things God has done for us, by all means, to, to stop and to, to count our blessings, as the song says and to give Him thanks for, for those things, but, but not stop there. Because if we stop there, we, we may very well be engaging in self-centered thanksgiving. Instead, what we want to do is we want to go another step. We want to think of all the ways that God has blessed us, think of all He's done for us, give Him thanks for those things, and then take the next step of saying, okay, God, what is your purpose in this? What is it that you want to accomplish through me, by blessing me in all these ways that you have. And that's where Psalm 67 is going to really help us this morning. So let's read together in Psalm 67. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read all seven verses. This is to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity 
and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's stop there and let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would bless the hearing of your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to go beyond self-centered thanksgiving today. And Lord, that as we think of all the ways that you have blessed us, and Lord, even as we pray that you would continue to bless us, Lord, that we would do so not for ourselves, not for our sake, but for your glory, that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power may be known among all nations. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's, uh, there's something that the psalmist does in this psalm that's really instructive for us in how we read God's Word. What the psalmist does is he takes what God has already said elsewhere in the Bible and he turns that into a prayer. So he takes several threads that run through the Bible and he weaves them together. We can identify at least three biblical threads that the psalmist weaves into this prayer. The first thread that he weaves in here is, is the promise that God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. God told Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this was always God's plan, that he was going to bless Abraham and bless Abraham's descendants, and through them, he was going to bless the whole world. Blessed to be a blessing. That's the first biblical thread that the psalmist weaves into this prayer. The second thread that he weaves is from Exodus chapter 34. This is when God declares his name to Moses, saying, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is the Lord's self-description. This is how he describes his own character, that he is gracious and merciful, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The psalmist takes that self-description and turns it into a prayer. May God be gracious to us. God has said he's gracious, so God, would you be gracious to us? The third thread that, that runs through this uh, psalm is from Numbers chapter 6, and this may be the one that's the most obvious. So in Numbers 6, just before they consecrate the tabernacle, God instructs Moses to tell Aaron and, and the priests to bless the people of Israel. And God gives the priests words with which they are to bless the people. These are the words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. So again, that might be the thread that stands out most clearly here in Psalm 67. Look again at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So the psalmist takes that priestly blessing from Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The, the psalmist takes that priestly blessing and then he turns it into a prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. 
Now, this is one of the best things you can do with God's Word, by the way. Take what God has said that He wants to do and plead with Him to do it. Because He's already said that's what He wants to do. So, take what He's said and plead with Him to do the thing He has declared His intention to do. He has stated His desire to bless His people, to make His face to shine upon them, to give them peace. So, the psalmist leads us in this corporate prayer. May God be gracious to us. May God bless us. And may God make His face to shine upon us. So it's helpful to think uh, of those as three distinct petitions, three distinct requests that the psalmist is making of God and that he's leading us to make of God. First, that God would be gracious to us. May God be gracious to us. Second, that God would bless us. And third, that God would make His face to shine upon us. Now, if you compare that priestly blessing in number 6 and Psalm 67, what you'll find is the psalmist does not put all of these petitions in the same order that they were in number 6. And I don't think it's an accident that the psalmist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, changes the order. So unlike the priestly blessing in number 6, Psalm 67 starts with the request. The first petition that he, he asks is, may God be gracious to us. Again, that's based on God's self-described character in Exodus 34, where he said that he is merciful and gracious. And so the psalmist takes that and he turns it into a prayer, may God be gracious to us. Before we can receive any other blessing from God, we first need his mercy and his grace. William Grinnell said, God forgives, then he gives. God forgives, then he gives. Till he be merciful to pardon our sins through Christ, he cannot bless or look kindly on us sinners. Or, as Charles Spurgeon put it, it begins with a cry for mercy. Forgiveness of sin is always the first link in the chain of mercies experienced by us. The best saints and the worst sinners may unite in this petition. It is addressed to the God of mercy by those who feel their need of mercy, and it implies the death of all legal hopes or claims of merit. In other words, by beginning the prayer with this petition, may God be gracious to us, we're reminded that whatever blessings God bestows are totally, completely by grace alone. We're not asking God to give us what we have earned. We're not asking God to give us what we deserve because the only thing we have earned is death. The wages of sin is death. So by asking God to be merciful to us, to be gracious to us, we're reminding ourselves that God does not need anything from us nor does he owe anything to us. Instead, whatever he chooses to give, whatever he chooses to bless us with, is of his mercy. It is purely of his grace. And the first link, as Spurgeon said, the first link in the chain of mercies is the forgiveness of sin, that God would forgive and pardon and welcome us into his family. God forgives, then he gives. Now, once we have asked God to be gracious and merciful to us, the second petition is that He would bless us. 
And what all does the psalmist mean by that when he says, may God be gracious to us and bless us? What does it mean for us to ask God to bless us? Well, does it mean that it it would be tempting to think, um, on the one hand, only of material blessings, right? We think of blessing purely in terms of, of material things. But it would be equally tempting to ignore material blessings as if the only way God has blessed us is in spiritual ways. The psalm goes on to say in verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. Some people think that this psalm might have been something like a, a harvest psalm, which is why it's a psalm that's fitting on a day like Harvest Sunday. This was a, a song of thanksgiving and praise at the time of year when crops have yielded. It, it's this reminder that um, the reason that, that the earth has yielded its increase is, is not just some uh, mysterious thing. It, it's not just that we have labored so hard, but it is that the Lord has been good. He is the one who has sent the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. He's the one who has caused the sun to shine and make these things grow. So it's a way of reminding us that every material thing we have is from God's good hand. So we don't need to ignore material blessings. We don't need to overlook the fact that God is the one who graciously sends rain and sunshine. He is the one who puts breath in our lungs and blood in our veins. Every moment, every season, every year, He sustains us in millions of ways. Jesus is the one who taught us to pray that God would give us our daily bread. So it's good to remind ourselves in the words of the hymn, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. But of course, God's blessings are more than material. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even here in Psalm 67, the request that God would bless us, this petition, is immediately followed by the third petition, that God would make his face to shine upon us. We cannot have the light of God's favor shining upon us unless He has first been gracious to us. That's why it begins with, May God be gracious to us. Apart from God's mercy, apart from His grace, we are sinners who, according to Romans 8, verse 8, cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And if we've been reconciled to God by His grace, our desire should be not only for material blessings. We don't come to God just so that He will bless us materially. That's like the people who, who saw Jesus multiply the bread and they wanted to come to Him and follow Him around and say, yeah, we'll follow you around and so you'll keep feeding us. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I am He who comes down from heaven. So uh, we, we can't just come to God for material blessings, but we should have a desire, as the psalmist says here, that, that God's face would shine upon us, that, that we would enjoy the light of His presence. To put it another way, every material blessing is worthless if we don't have the favor of God upon us. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Now, if you stop at verse 1, 
if all you read of Psalm 67 are those three petitions, then you're going to miss the point of the psalm entirely. You might engage in cat theology if you only read Psalm 67 verse 1. God be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us, period. But there's not a period there. The sentence does not end with those three petitions that God would be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. I want you to notice how verse 2 begins. It begins with a very important word. The word is that. It's a word that implies purpose. And what follows in the rest of the psalm is God explaining to us why he would be gracious to us, why he would bless us, why he would make his face to shine upon us. There is a God-centered purpose behind all of God's blessings to his people and upon his people. What is that purpose? What is the God-centered purpose to all of these blessings? Look at verse 2. So that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God's purpose in blessing his people is so that his his ways, his character, his saving power would be known, not just by that one nation that has received the blessing, but among all nations. His purpose is not just to be known, but to be praised. Notice how verses 3 and verse 5 are identical. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then right in the center of the psalm, we hear this in verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. So God's purpose is not just that peoples from all over the world would know about him, but that they would know him in a personal, saving way, that they would praise Him and be glad in Him. And this is why God blesses His people. When you read Galatians, what you find is that the, the heirs to that promise in Genesis 12, when God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make of you a great nation, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, Paul explicitly says in Galatians 3 that that promise is not about ethnic Israel. It's not about the physical descendants of Abraham. It's about those who are of faith. What God was saying is that whoever from any nation, whoever puts their trust in Abraham's descendant, capital D, descendant, Jesus, they would be blessed. They would be saved. They would be justified in the sight of God. And so the, the heirs to these promises, it's not ethnic Israel, it is the church, it is those who trust in Christ. And so the, the takeaway for us is that the reason God blesses his people, the purpose behind his being gracious to us and his blessing us and his making his face to shine upon us, his purpose is that so that all kinds of people from all kinds of nations with all kinds of skin tones and all kinds of languages, would come to know Him and praise Him and be glad in Him. And as he says in verse 7, let all the ends of the earth fear Him, that the whole world would be in awe 
of who God is. So on a day when we stop to count our blessings, we need to remember that each blessing we count, each blessing of which we are aware, and even the ones that we're not aware of, every every way that God has blessed us, they all have a divine purpose. God's purpose is never to bless us for our own sake. He blesses us so that His way may be known on earth, that His saving power would be known among all nations. You know, this has been a, a difficult year for a lot of people for, for many reasons. But I hope that you can take some time today and this week and recall how good the Lord has been to you. And as you do that, I want to encourage you not just to stop there. Don't just stop. I mean, that's a good starting place to, to say, okay, I, I want to sit down and intentionally think about all of the good that God has done in my life this year. That's a, that's a good starting point, but it's not a good stopping point. We have to go beyond that and ask, Lord, why? Why have you been so good? Why have you blessed me? Why have you been so gracious to me? Why have you made your face to shine upon me? And then we can ask, Lord, how can I pass your blessings that you've given to me, how can I pass those on to others so that you may be known and praised and feared by others? God never intends for us to be reservoirs where his blessings pool up and become stagnant. God intends for us to be channels through which his blessings flow to those around us, both near and far. So I want to give you three practical takeaways uh, for today, three things that we can all think about and pray about. Uh, first is we have some opportunities to, to bless some children uh, in our area this Christmas. Uh, Goshen Elementary has has already asked us to help them. Uh, I, th I think God may open a door at Zion Chapel as well. God has been so good to our church this year um, in the midst of a tumultuous season. Uh, unlike a lot of other churches, we have not had to make some very difficult financial decisions that, that others have had to make. We have not had to cut back on any of our charitable contributions to, to ministries that we partner with. Uh, we were able to send this summer over $1,000 to a new church plant in North Carolina. So, so God has been good to us, and, and I rejoice in that, and I want you to hear me say how, how genuinely thankful I am for how faithful and, and steadfast our church has been. And uh, along with that expression of thankfulness, I want to encourage us to channel those blessings toward uh, others for the glory of God. So, so not to allow those blessings to pull up uh, as if we were some reservoir just holding on to God's blessings and hoarding them, but that we would be a channel through which those blessings flow outward to others for the glory of God. So we have an opportunity not only to be recipients of God's goodness, 
but also to be instruments of his goodness to others. And so helping some local families, that's not the only way, but it is one way that we can do that, that we can display the goodness of God to others in our community so that they hopefully may come to know him if they don't already know him, that they would come to praise him and be glad in him. The second uh, takeaway is I want to encourage you to be thinking about what you might be able to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering for International Missions. Uh, This offering is always strategic because it's so efficient. 100% of what you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering goes directly to hold the rope for missionaries all over the world. Um, Without getting too technical and detailed, I'll simply say that based on several conversations I've had Uh, I think that this offering is particularly important and strategic this year to help us not have to cut back on the number of missionaries that we're able to, to send. Paul reminds us in Romans 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he asks a series of rhetorical questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So if we want people in the nations to to know the Lord, to, to call on Him and be saved, someone has to go and tell. Someone has to go and proclaim His way. Someone has to go and proclaim His saving power so that the peoples may praise Him, so that the nations may be glad in him. Every follower of Christ is either called to go or to send. So let's let's give sacrificially as a way of, of channeling the blessing of the gospel to the nations. My third takeaway is is this, and it's much more personal. I, I want you to hear me say that if you are in Christ You are the most blessed person on the face of the earth. And I don't say that in a hyperbolic, exaggerating kind of way. I mean that literally. If you are in Christ, you are the most blessed person on the face of the earth. Because as we heard Paul say in Ephesians 1, in Christ, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You could not be more blessed than you presently are if you are in Christ. And just as with material blessings, those spiritual blessings come with a responsibility not to hoard them, but to channel them to others, to to be a channel of God's blessing to others. And so as we all try to find ways to, to pass on God's material blessings to others. I want us also to to seek to bless others in spiritual ways. So a a few ways you could do that is, you know, encourage someone during this season. Maybe think of someone you haven't seen in a while. Give them a call. Write them a note. Tell them that you're praying for them. Tell them that you love them. Encourage someone in Christ. Maybe there is someone you, you know and you say, I'm not sure where they stand with the Lord. Or maybe you say, I feel pretty confident they don't have a relationship with the Lord. 
wouldn't it be an opportunity at a time like this to to channel uh, the blessing of the gospel to them by, by telling them, by proclaiming to them? This is not just something that, that missionaries do over there. It's something that we're called to do right here where we live. Um, you could you could do something as simple as, as sharing your testimony with someone. I was I was struck this week as I was reading. Anytime I am really diving into a psalm, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll I'll go and I'll back up and read the psalm or two before it and the psalm or two after it. And uh, in Psalm sixty six, the one right before this one, uh, the psalmist says, "Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what He has done for my soul." And I was thinking about that. Uh, 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 Psalm 67 is this prayer that God's way would be known on earth, that his saving power would be known among all nations. And right in the psalm just before this, we have an example of, of partly how that happens, of us doing something as simple as, as going to someone and say, let me tell you what God has done for my soul. So, so who can you tell about what God has done for your soul? If he has blessed us, then let's seek to be a blessing to others. Finally, I want to, to remind you, I want to circle back to the way that Psalm 67 begins. It begins with this petition, May God be gracious to us. Before you can receive any other blessing from the Lord, before you can be a blessing to anyone else, you first need to receive the gift of God's grace in Christ. To put it another way, before you can be an instrument of God's goodness to anyone else, you first have to be a recipient of God's goodness to you. Forgiveness of sin is the first link in the chain of God's mercies to us. So if you've never surrendered your life to Him, you can do that today. Do not delay. Do not presume on the patience of God because His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken uh, so that we might know you. And Lord, I'm reminded as I've been reading and and even thinking as I've been preaching today, I'm reminded of of those that you placed in my life in your providence who, who made your ways known to me so that I might know you and so that I might praise you and be glad in you. And Lord, many of us have a testimony like that of of someone who loved us enough to tell us about you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be about that same business. Lord, that you would help us to, to have a desire in our hearts to tell others what you've done for our soul, to tell others what you've done in Christ so that we might be recipients of your goodness, not for our sake, but so that more might come to know you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be reservoirs that hoard up and pull up your blessings and they stay there and never flow anywhere else. But Lord, that we would be channels that are continually filled with your goodness and continually overflowing to others. Lord, we pray that you would do this for your glory here in our in our area and, and among all nations. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.